With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's the latest, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. On episode 66, we are going to discuss the episodes five and six of The Last Dance and the themes and uh you know various things that that interested us from from those episodes and then we're going to move into a more detailed discussion on the name image and likeness uh movement within the ncaa with ncpa now director Omogi huma who's been on the front lines of the fight for uh, athletes getting paid uh, specifically for name image and likeness um, for a long time now ronnie we had him on a previous podcast when this first all first started, you know, to get going. But uh, now that we have even more information and, and more movement on it, we're we're gonna get his take on this a little bit later. But um, first, Ronnie, let's start with episodes five and six of the Last Dance, which aired uh, last Sunday. And you know, one of the main things to come out of that, even though it was touched on briefly, was. Uh, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan's relationships. For me, it was kind of weird uh, in the aftermath of Kobe Bryant's, you know, helicopter accident and subsequent death that, uh, you know, to see him speak uh, again, you know what I mean? Uh, on camera and just kind of watch that and him describe his relationship with Michael Jordan. And maybe for some people, they kind of saw uh, that the relationship was much deeper than just Kobe, you know, watching his film and taking his moves and things like that. Uh, there was a legitimate connection there between the two. And uh, the thing that stood out to me was Kobe saying like he hated the argument of who would win in the game of one-on-one between him and Jordan, because what, what they saw from Kobe, he basically took from Jordan. Yeah. So him basically saying that, you know, MJ probably would have beaten him one-on-one. That's, that's what yeah. I took. Like he's, he's bowing down in essence or saying, I, this guy's the blueprint. Um, very interesting you brought that up. I think uh, the, the main thing for me, Devin, when I see Kobe talking, and again, I have a different perspective of, of you with that, is between 2016 and his untimely death, how many people got footage of him in an interview? That's what I'm interested in seeing. Like, are we going to see other him come out in other shows and – like how many people said, "Hey, Kobe, can you film this? We're going to use this in the future about uh, mm-hmm. Nike, or we're going to use this in the future about the Lakers, a Lakers doc, or something." You know how much yeah. how much footage of there is this guy besides maybe uh, 
his kids shooting on their 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 iPhones or something, you know, like of him talking about various subjects. Because obviously this happened, that interview took place probably sometime between 17 and 19, 217 yeah. to 19. So, you know, because of his age, it's just very interesting to see how much we're gonna see of Kobe essence in the future, talking about basketball or anything else. So yeah, that was very uh like you mentioned, kind of short but direct. And I think uh, Kobe was young enough where Jordan realized, like, you know what, it, you know, this I don't have the same uh, stance I have with this guy with Clyde Drexler or something like that, like an adversarial kind of stance. Like, it, it didn't help. Yeah. It didn't hurt to uh, help this kid, help this guy, you know, to take his game, help him wherever he needed. Maybe he and maybe he generally enjoyed his conversation because I think he understood that uh, Kobe really loved the game. Orton really loved to compete at, as he did. So he, there was no problem in him, you know, trying to help, help mentor or, for lack of a better term, help him along the way. Yeah, I think it was a, a, a really good piece of foresight from yeah, Michael yeah. Jordan to realize that at that moment, Kobe Bryant and the Lakers weren't really, like you said, an adversary or a, or a, a team that was going to contend with the Bulls for a title in those years. Sure. I think realized that it was more of a passing the torch kind of thing to a, a kid who would eventually become similar in stature to what Jordan did as far as championships go, as far as uh, impact on the game, impact on that specific position. And really the closest thing we've seen to Michael Jordan, though he didn't necessarily get to that exact level because obviously uh, – you know, six titles to five titles, but sure. just from a from a polarization standpoint, similar. You know, they they yeah. had similar games, they had similar approaches to you know how they prepared, how they practiced, uh, how they held their teammates to a high standard, and you know ripped them when they needed to be ripped. So, yeah, I think to your point, you know, Michael didn't see. 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old Kobe Bryant as a guy who's coming for his crown. No. So say, say the Lakers were – I say about the Lakers because if you yeah. look at the documentary, <laughs> and it's funny, I think Gary Payton made a joke like, hey, Mike, we're going to see you in the finals. This is 1998 at the All-Star game. Yeah, yeah. you guys better get there. So I think the Bulls kind of looked at it as it's going to be Seattle or it's going to be Utah. Uh, Utah in the finals. And yeah. it's funny because the Lakers have four – all stars and yeah. the and the Bulls are just kind of counting on like who are those kids those like fuck those kids right like, those, pieces, those pieces those four all star pieces I mean yeah. if you look at if you look at it you have yeah. Shaq Nick Van Exel Eddie Jones and Kobe Bryant and you know Kobe no one will ever forget his three air balls against Utah yeah, yeah. Um, hadn't arrived yet basically they weren't ready yet and MJ yeah. knew that. And I think that's why he was okay with taking Kobe Bryant under his wing. They spent a short time on that one, but they spent some more time on MJ's. Um, uh, real adversary. Yeah. No, I mean, no, they, they spent more time on MJ's. Yeah. Uh, his real adversary, which was his, his, you know, gambling, his, his love of, of playing cards or gambling on golf. And to me, you know, this is kind of the only hit that his reputation ever really took that. And yeah. 
his kind of taking a backseat on political issues. Um, they, you know, spent a, a decent amount of time discussing the, uh, the, was that a Senate seat, Ronnie? Yeah, I think it was two Democrat running against a Republican and the right, African American Democrat. The Republican yeah. candidate was uh, an Lord. obvious and long uh, tenured, yeah. uh, you know, guy who basically everyone says flat out racist. Yeah. And Jordan refused to take us take a stance publicly, vocally, yeah, against that Republican candidate and support the African American Democrat and. He said on the documentary that he doesn't really regret that, and he made you know financial contributions behind the scenes that nobody reported about back yeah. then. Um, I mean, it's a tough one because now you see guys like LeBron um, coming out and you know being very vocal on political choices and, and and things of that nature. I just don't. I don't know, man. For me. I'm not, you know, I'm not African-American. I'm not an athlete. I'm not, you know, popular. I'm not famous. It's tough. It's got to be a tough one. What was your th- What are your thoughts on that? Well, let me let me take you back a little bit to that time. Yeah. Um, the gambling thing was kind of a big underlying thing for yeah. a while. Okay. Um, uh, and then the, the, the take on him kind of ingesting uh, Republicans wear shoes too, that wasn't really like – it didn't get out there much. It didn't draw many uh, arms and legs. Like the 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 the, the, ten, the antennas didn't go reaching out far. It just kind of okay. He's a basketball player, still fairly young. You know, uh, he's still in his late twenties. He he doesn't have much to say. And the way I took it, I don't think MJ really explained it because he said, "Hey, I don't have to." Basically, yeah. But I think what he was kind of saying was like, and even in reference to his mother, was saying like, "I don't have strong opinions about this." So if I start giving an opinion, well, whether the the candidate wins or loses, I'm gonna get follow up questions. No matter who wins or loses, now I got Now I'm gonna, in essence, he's gonna. I think I think he thought he was gonna open up a can of worms. Where mm-hmm. now he's gonna be on the hook. People mm-hmm. gonna start asking him questions. Well, this candidate lost. Why did this? Mm-hmm. Think about that. This candidate won, and I don't think. I think one of his teammates mentioned it later uh, that he just wasn't prepared. He didn't know what to say. Craig Hodges, who. Interestingly, didn't get mentioned in that documentary. Right. Craig mentioned something where it's like MJ just wasn't prepared to speak about it. And, yeah. um, you know, Craig Hodges was on the 92 team. He didn't get re-signed for the 93 team. He refused to go to the White House. He, he really – he wrote a letter to George Bush, who was the president at the time. And he had strong, very strong opinions. So back to Jordan's political stance, um, you know, again, man, maybe Nike – uh, had some influence in trying to keep those what we considered uh, not positive things out, you know, maybe, or maybe, and like any other great athlete, whether it's Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali, uh, Jordan, uh, you know, he, a lot of the positive things he said were constant, 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 and a lot of positive stories were in. So, yeah, the documentary made it seem like Jordan was getting railroaded in essence. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's a strong word, but you know, attacked. But mm-hmm. still, a lot of positive going around. Like total. I mean, this guy was so positive to most families that thought, like, "Hey, my son has somebody to look up to. Yeah. He seems like a pretty clean cut guy." 
again, we didn't know it. It's not like he was posting on Instagram and shit like that. We didn't, you that's, know. That's what that's what brings up yeah. another thought is yeah. back back then, like there weren't people yeah. in the public uh on social media who were able to just, you know, tag at Michael Jordan on Twitter yeah. in nineteen ninety four and go after him. So yeah. I guess the sense of urgency wasn't really there. And I do understand um the standpoint of, Hey, I'm not, I'm not educated enough on this to speak on it. And, yeah. And, and, and simply like I'm trying to win championships. So I don't really have the time to be, yeah to educate my, myself on that, I guess is, is what, uh, what I take from it. But, like some minorities were not like that stance you just mentioned, but we get it. You're trying to point that you understand his, 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 where he's coming from. I th- yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm not. Here's the thing. I'm. I educate myself as much as possible on, yeah. on politics and and things like that. Um, but, it, I mean, it's just a. It's it was a tough stance for him back then, and I, I can't imagine what, in this current state of politics, if a, an athlete of that stature took no stance. Yeah. What would be said on social media? It's just, I mean. It's a way different world. It's a different world. Yeah. 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 And I think, um, you know, very interestingly enough that, you know, Jordan, uh, it didn't affect him. Maybe because he did so many things on good on the court and be his, just his fame and his positive outlook was growing so much. It just dwarfed it, but Mm -hmm. it didn't dwarf the gambling so much. Um, you know, that was becoming a thing. And, and it's funny that they didn't mention it because I know Clyde Drexler said it. Like, I look at Clyde Drexler, and I know NBC was trying to build up that series. Nobody thought Clyde Drexler was going to, oh, my God, he's going to show everybody he's as good as Jordan. Zero. Zilch. That was zero. Nobody thought that. Everybody yeah. knew MJ was way better. Now, yeah. Portland had a good team, and they could maybe even give them – more trouble than the 91 Lakers, which they probably could, and they did. They were a really good team. Cliff Robinson was coming into his own. Mm-hmm. Um, they had uh, Drazen Petrovic, who became an all-star with the Nets. He was deep on the bench. Robert Pack was good. Mark Bryant was good off the bench. Kevin Dugger. I mean, they had a good team. Was Jerome Kersey on that team? Yeah, say that one more time. Was Jerome Kersey on that yeah, team? Jerome Kersey was a borderline small forward all-star. Cliff good. Robinson became an all-star. He was like their seventh man. So they were they were good, uh, athletic and good. Um, and, and Jordan, I thought, was at his best around that time. And the funny thing is, Clyde Drexler didn't when he got in those moments. And the same thing with him in a slam dunk contest. His personality was just really low key and like yeah. all chucks and yeah. like, yeah, I'm pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. He just had a low, really quiet personality. And when he went up against Jordan, like he just shrunk, mm-hmm. like. He had nothing for Jordan in that first game. Like, you could see it. You could tell. The series was, in essence, over after the first game. Right. In Portland. Now, Portland was good enough. They played hard. They responded. They won two games. But there was never – nobody thought Portland was going to win that series. And nobody thought Clyde. But the funny thing is Clyde mentioned in the Dream Team, he's all, dude, this guy's great. Like, it's funny. You mentioned about the gambling, and we're talking about the gambling now. Is Clyde was like, I like to play ball. I uh, get my seven or eight hours of sleep and I like to hang out and do what Clyde does. And he's all, but this guy, Jordan's an animal. Like I don't ever see him sleeping. So like, he's like, 
He's playing cards. He wants to get up and practice more. He wants to go do this. He wants to go play golf. He's all, he's playing he's playing cards with Magic and the guys in Barkley, and then he wants to get up and play golf with the with Chuck Daly and whoever else wants to play. You know, yeah, like yeah. dude, this guy's amazing. So I think uh, when when Jordan mentioned he's all, I got seven hours of sleep most of the times. Even that time in that famous game in, against the Knicks where he was in Atlantic City, he's like, dude, I got my sleep, so I don't. He didn't had the money, you know. That's so what I'm trying to understand about the gambling and why it was such a big issue. Was it such a big issue because he was, if because of that one time that he was in Atlantic City until you know there's there's conflicting reports whether it was twelve thirty a.m. or two thirty a.m. Whatever is Even that two thirty? The game's at seven yeah. o'clock the next seven o'clock at night, right? So. Is it like it was that the issue? Because like if the dude has the money and he did, yeah. yeah. What's wrong with him gambling his money? I think because like you mentioned the, and I mentioned earlier too the 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 his outlook to the public. It was he had no he had a the good looking smile. He had he said the right things. Yeah. This was the first time he was getting knocked. Okay, and, and it was kind of big. yeah they kind of ran with it, and I also thought. NBC and just the way the media portrayed him didn't help that meaning the media that was covering him like in his game. So um, it was not a, it was not a secret that Ahmad Rashad was like his good friend and Ahmad Rashad is basically rolling around with him, palling around with him, carousing with him. He's in the media. So it's like NBC is like quote unquote protecting him. But mm -hmm. the rest of the country is like going after him, like the beat riders and the people that want to get something good. So that came to light because, again, and again, I'm, I'm sure the Seattle Supersonics are not happy about it. The next year when they played Phoenix in the final, um, NBC had already shot the promo with Barkley and Jordan before that series was over. <laughs> so – they were obviously wanted. The storyline was Barkley, the MVP versus Jordan. It was a good storyline, but that promo was shot before that game seven, and Seattle feels like they were cheated. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Barkley had a great game, forty-four points, twenty-four rebounds, but like the everybody was in foul trouble, you know. So, so when Jordan came and mentioned this thing about his gambling, and he mentioned in the doc, who's interviewing him? Ahmad Rashad. Of course, so it, throwing, it, throwing him softball questions. Throwing him softball questions. Even then, at my age, I said, this is bullshit. This yeah. is doing nothing for Jordan. Right. It's not hurting him per se much. It's not helping him. Mm -hmm. If people have strong feelings about him gambling and doing things with, with Slim Boulder and all these other guys, like they're still going to think that. This interview did nothing. It was pointless. And I think even Ramon Rashad touched on it. Like uh, Jordan should have probably took off his – Sunglasses, yeah. Sunglasses, and the interview was bad. It just, again, it was more along those lines. As I said at the time, I said, like, what the hell is, like, NBC doing? This is so dumb. Like, it didn't help Jordan at all in this in this situation. So it kept going. It kept going. Then he went into the Dream Team, and then he had to come back with very little time off. He was still getting hounded. I mean, as you can see, Devin, I think for the first time, like, when you mentioned that – um Michael Jackson type of Princess Diane type of fame. I think it was just wearing on him that as well, even more than the gambling, like the, the questions about the gambling. I just think the whole process was wearing on him. Yeah. As you can see in that video, no, LeBron James, he's a, 
socially big. I don't know if he was as big in terms of turning when he opened the door, when he everywhere he went is like people are damn near falling over themselves. Well, and it's it's different for LeBron James because he's been in that spotlight since he was in high school. Michael Jordan wasn't in that spotlight in high school. Yeah. And he wasn't in that spotlight really at North Carolina. No, no, no. He, he didn't develop that that worldwide stardom and expectation of whether it's taking stances on social issues or maintaining a, a clean reputation off the court. He didn't yeah. have to develop that until he started winning championships with the Bulls. Yeah. And then yeah. becoming a worldwide phenomenon where, in, in contrast, LeBron James has been in that spotlight. Yeah. Since he's been 17, 18 years old, and he's been able, he was able to develop those stances and those thoughts and how to approach that on various platforms, whether it's social media or in the public uh, spotlight with cameras on him and yeah. you know, reporters and media, uh, you know, from a very young age. So I think that's the difference there. And another thing that The Last Dance did for me was, which I'm happy about was shine a light on how good Charles Barkley was as a basketball player. Oh, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, yeah. Draymond Green has opened the has opened so many doors for small power forwards, uh, playmaking power forwards, and to get opportunities at the college and NBA levels. But Charles Barkley did it way before and way better than Draymond Green ever did, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, this documentary, like you mentioned, didn't spend too much time on Kobe. Spent just enough time, I thought, on Barkley. Could have given him a little more credence to that, as you mentioned. Um, he deserved that MVP. Barkley can carry a team. Yeah. I mean, when, he came into, when he came into the 76ers, um, they really – I don't know what their management was doing, but they really ruined it. They won the one championship with Moses Malone, and then they drafted Barkley in 84. Dr. J was already re close to retiring. He was on the downside of his, of his career in the twilight. Barkley was quickly their best player, and he was an animal. Yeah, I mean, just for my record, just me just saying as a basketball fan, I have nothing against Draymond Green. He's not even in the same stratosphere. Mm -hmm. Like this guy, is he was a guy who – one of the few guys who could really carry an NBA team over 20 games or 30 games for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not too many of them in any era. He was definitely one of them. Uh, you know, they had a great run. I thought the documentary should have just mentioned really quickly Richard Dumas and how good he was in that 93 finals. He uh, really pushed Scottie Pippen. He, he was athletic as him, 6'7", long wing, little raw, young player. But, like, he had serious drug issues, and um, he missed the 94 season, and he was out of the NBA a few years later. And I think that when people say, oh, Barkley never won, Barkley never did anything, like those prime – 93, 94, 95 years for Phoenix to try to win, like not having Richard Dumas those last two years really hurt them. Okay. And I know it doesn't mention much, but God, that guy was a good young player, Devin. He was just coming to his own and he could really match Scottie Pippen and other guys athletically. And I think that's what the Knicks were missing. In essence, that's where a few other teams were missing. They didn't have that Scottie Pippen type wing that could defend, finish, you know. So we'll yeah. touch up on that a little bit more. Uh, when we come back, we're going to, uh, you know, toward the end of this pod, you know, let's let's touch up on that. We'll touch up on a few bigger things, which I think are the two most uh, lightning rod figures in this documentary besides Jordan himself is Jerry Krause and Isaiah Thomas. We'll get into that 
Yeah, we'll finish up with that. Yeah, we'll finish up with that. Let's jump into uh, our main topic for this week. Like you said, we had Ramogi in the paint, and he went hard in the paint for us on an earlier episode talking about SB206 and the basically California law that's going to go into effect in the future that's going to give um, student athletes in, in public and private institutions in California, in essence, the same rights and the same liberties and the same uh, chances to make compensation as non-student athletes. So, Devin, give us another pointers on SB 206 and then how it relates to what the NCAA put out uh, recently in terms of name, image, and likeness and how many thought that may have been in response to what the G League initiative is with Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, um, and other high school players taking, you know, a professional job. Yeah, well, like you said, Ronnie, SB 206, I think you nailed it. It's basically uh, state legislation that will allow student-athletes to have the same opportunity as a regular college student, say like an engineering student who can make money, you know, working off campus at Whole Foods or whatever, sure. anywhere, a movie theater, whatever. Um, yep. Or off of their name, image, and likeness, whether they have a popular YouTube page or a popular highly followed Instagram, they can make money off of those endeavors uh, where student athletes don't have that luxury right now. So as most people who listen to this podcast know already the NCAA announced uh, last week or on here two weeks ago, whatever it may be now. Yeah. Uh, that a week and a half. A week and a half, yeah. Their, their board of governors uh, have moved towards uh, a vote or a set of rules or some guidelines on how student athletes will be able to profit from their name, image, and likeness. And that's going to be you know voted on uh, prior to the – to 21 school year and from the more i've read about this it's most likely to go into effect if passed for the fall 221 uh, uh, athletic year um so it's going to allow student athletes to earn money from endorsements and promotion uh whether it's you know uh, a car dealership uh yeah you know, restaurant commercial or restaurant or you know signing autographs at the local uh, pick and save. I don't know. I used to go to pick and save all the time. You remember that place, Ronnie? Yeah, yeah I like pick and save. <laughs> yeah, pick and save was dope. But uh, I don't want to pick and save how much money they got to give Zion Williamson or something <laughs> like that. It's, it's big. It's big lots now. So yeah. let's maybe maybe Target has more money. The local yeah. Target go sign some autographs. Whatever. Uh, uh, they can convey the image of being a student athlete and identify with a specific school, but they can't represent the school on their clothing and the school's logo can't be used in any advertising. Um, student athletes can make, will potentially be able to make money on their social media presence, a business they start, personal appearance. Universities cannot pay for use of name, image, and likeness. Like a football player at, at USC cannot earn money based on promotion on a USC specific athletic site or social media presence. Right. Yeah. Um, the Board of Governors also made mentions of guardrails, uh, regulations of payments uh, by an undetermined body, transparency by athlete, third-party institution, which shows the genuine transaction and not disguised form of payment for athletic participation. Again, this is a lot of verbiage that needs to be 
unraveled here. And we're going to get Ramogi on here in the next couple minutes to help us with this. Uh, but schools and schools are, are, you know, boosters of the programs uh, cannot use uh, name, image, and likeness opportunities to recruit. I think that's one of the biggest things for me, Ronnie. Is well, want to regulate that? <laughs> you can't. How can you regulate that? It's already. I mean, for me, it's already happening. Joe yeah. Blow Booster, who donated ten point five million to the program last year, wants the number one linebacker in the country, and he hits him up. Hey, this is Joe Blow Booster. Here's an extra blah 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 amount of money, or you can get a off you know season job at my dealership or something. Right. Yeah, you. Yeah, I got. I got. I got 15 dealerships within this region. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll get you some, you know, cushy job where I'm going to pay you to, you know, sit at the front desk or whatever, not even show up, whatever. This stuff. I know graphs all day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. This, you don't this, know. Yeah. This stuff is happening already with yeah. no regulation. Well, what is, Devin, what's your highline? Re- just as somebody who follows this and that's quote unquote, you're not an expert in this field, not. you know, and, and neither am I. But it's like, what is your retort take to this NCAA statement in, in one high line? That it's what? What is that? <laughs> I mean, I I really I really it's don't, just I don't know. It's just it's just behind the eight ball is what it yeah. is. Okay. It's because this is already happening at like the highest levels, even at the mid levels where there's yeah. prom- there's promises being made. Agents have their hands in, uh, on players. Handler, handlers, handlers, or if, if an agent doesn't have their hands on a player, they have their hands on a handler who's taking money. Yeah. I, mean, it's just, I mean, the web is just so, so vast and so deep. And if you don't think the high major programs who consistently um, win at the high levels uh, in, you know, the major sports, whether it's uh, men's basketball, uh, men's football, shoot, I don't know about women's basketball. I'm not, that highly educated on that, but who knows, maybe on that scale as well. If you don't think boosters are, are involved in, you know, consistently getting all these top echelon talents to go to these schools. I mean, you're living under a rock in my opinion. What do you think? I I think so. I think you're already right on that. You're hit that right on the head. Um, You know, uh, it's very interesting to me to Devin is, is as a student athlete, you, do you, pursue this like because i think student athletes times are already really well taken so in other words you're you already have a a job which is to play the as a scholarship athlete like so now you have your studies and then you have like pursuing this so Devin, if you were an athlete at let's say usc football okay hired somebody say hey go see what opportunities i have what my brand is or would you try to pursue that yourself what kind of athlete am i am i am i uh, usc I'm I'm afraid to get hit, so I probably won't play linebacker. Let's say I'm a let's say I'm a third string kicker. No, yeah. uh, if I'm a first string kicker, probably not because I mean, what what is my unless I have here's the thing unless I have like some popular YouTube channel where or Instagram where I'm like uh, like a really good like chef and I'm like a comedian and I combine the two and I have you know two or three million subscribers on my YouTube account or two to three million followers on the Instagram account. Sure. I'm going to look into that. Start pursuing it. Yeah. Right. But if I'm just a run of the mill third string kicker, no, because what's my marketability. Yeah. Well, you got, you know, if a 19 or 20 year old feels that or sees that, but um, you know, everybody has a different take and I, I'm very interested to see 
the uh, athlete's time towards that, you know, towards pursuing what their brand is worth or what their what they what compensation they could potentially earn. So yeah. With yeah. that in mind, I think we have Ramogi on the line. Ramogi, are you with us? I am. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for for uh, joining us. Um, Ramogi, uh, you've obviously been at the forefront of this. And Ramogi Rehuma is the National College Players Association you know, director. And you've been on with us before. Um, just highlight, Ramogi, uh, you know, when the NCAA came out with their statement regarding name, image, and likeness in the last week and a half, you already knew that um, those were against some of the laws that are already going to go into place. So what, what is your highline take and retort to that long 31 page statement? I, I think it took a significant stride, you know, a year ago, the NCAA would have never uttered, uh, allowing anything like this. So I think on one hand, they've been backed into a corner. On the other hand, um, they're really still fighting basic fairness. Uh, you know, there's uh, one law, on the books that matters right now, that's the state of California. It set the tone. It says the NCAA can't restrict players in name, image, and likeness deals, period. And uh, the NCAA is trying to carve out situations where it could restrict players, limit how much the player can make. Um, it still wants to uh, really prevent players from receiving group licensing revenues, which means it still wants the video games to be dead. NCAA sport video games, it does not you know, open that up from what the NCAA wants, but the California bill would. So I think the big takeaway is no, we're not surprised the NCAA is dragging its feet and fighting. Um, and big picture is it's not going to have a choice because the NCAA does not create law at the end of the day. It, it's subject to the law. So um, it, whether if, if, if it's a drawn-out fight because the NCAA wants to try to take it to court, uh, well, it will kind of remain to be seen. But um, even if it does, uh, the NCAA doesn't have very good uh, footing in a court case. But I think the NCAA is still fighting. Um, if it wanted to tomorrow, it could change everything. That same board of governors could have changed everything and just adopted a policy that looks very much like the California bill. Yeah, Ramogi, last time we talked to you, SB 206 was really, you know, catching some wind in its sail. And since since then, how many other states have, um, you know, kind of taken a step to draw their own legislation for this? So by our count, and there's just a flurry, once California uh, passed SB 206, states just lined up like dominoes. And uh, by our count, uh, at least 28 states were pursuing similar legislation. Wow. And I know Colorado passed a bill. Um, it's not as strong, but it passed a bill. Florida has a, a very strong bill uh, that passed both houses, the Senate and the House, and the governor has indicated his support. So we expect Florida. And the thing about Florida that's interesting is California's bill wouldn't be in effect until 2023, but Florida's bill would be summer of 2021. Hmm. So that is, uh, it's a big catalyst. It's a big state. And it's, it's going to make a big difference in terms of timing. Gotcha. Uh, thanks for that input, Ramogi. Now, in the last couple of weeks, we've heard a lot about this G League pathway program where three high school players have basically uh, taken a job with the G League and, and to be paid in compensation as regular professional athletes. They skip the amateur, quote unquote, amateur route. Um now, do you think the NCA released this basically, in essence, a PR statement or statement to take swift action because that was getting so much publicity that they felt they needed to 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 mention something or say something, put something in the public sphere? Why did they do that after that? Uh, you know, announced the G League's basically pathway program was brought to the forefront. 
Uh, well, first, I, I was excited to see that. I think players should have options, period. The, you know, the NCAA has a monopoly right now. And for players to have, at least some players to have an outlet or an option to not have to go to NCAA sports if they don't want to, I'm all for options. Um, but actually, the timing was, was actually a coincidence. The NCAA had promised Congress. I was in a hearing, uh, the U.S. Senate, in February. And under oath, you know, uh, the NCAA said they put out something in uh, April mm-hmm. that very week to give Congress more information because really the NCAA was not being transparent in terms of what it was asking Congress to do or how, you know, what the, what, what they did want, what they didn't want. So that document was in response to uh, legislative pressure, pressure from the states, pressure from Congress, but it was a coincidence. Again, it's not unrelated. I think it's, it's saying a lot to, to kind of show that, Hey, the, the quality of your product uh, may also suffer. You know, you're not going to, be in a position to get the top players if you're going to handcuff them economically the way you're doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's what I talked to Devin about. I always thought that like a player like Jalen Green, he's basically one of the top players in the 220 class, Ramogi. If if there's not some kind of language in his in the name, image, and likeness that favors the athlete, I just don't see down the line the top tier five, top five players really going for the regular scholarship that that is available under what is currently or which was in the past. If, if they don't have some type of, uh, you know, concessions or some type of pro athlete, uh, you know, name image, image and likeness, uh, you know, in that, in that language that they, they're just going to have other options. So that, that makes sense what you mentioned about the timing. Um, now, when we talk about Jalen green and those type of athletes that are going to the G G league and, and, and things of that nature, pro leagues, do, do, does, does, does the public, Ramogi, really grasp the concept that these pro basketball opportunities really just affect a small percentage of the student-athlete athlete population that you guys are advocating for? Does, does the public really grasp those two concepts? I think uh, in more recent years, uh, they're becoming more aware. I, I think when we first started advocating back in 2001, you know, there was this picture, hey, if you don't like it, go pro as if it was like go, going to the store and getting some, you know, picking up some groceries or something. It's not that easy. Um, there's not enough spots for the pros, you know, for, for players to go pro, quote unquote. And our point was that, um, you know, you should not have to be subject to these economic restrictions. You know, second class citizenship really is what it is um, just because you have an opportunity. And by the way, that opportunity is, is already in a multi-billion dollar business. Our position is that once you've made it to big time college sports, you're already in a professional industry and you should not have these artificial illegal constraints. Um, and at the very least, you should have the, the very freedom to, to monetize your own name, image and likeness. So um, I do think it's still, you know, it's still kind of a, with some people, it's, it's tougher to get them to see it that way. But with name, image, and likeness, that issue, um, we've, that's an issue we've been able to win. And I say we as a kind of an athletic uh, athletes rights advocacy community. Uh, over the years and now the polls are showing the majority of americans uh support players having those freedoms and we're seeing when i mentioned 28 states i'm talking about bipartisan support and also in congress uh the california bill passed with no opposition at all no one voted no and that almost never happened so um it really i think a name image name image of likeness is a special area that i think the public gets got it um yeah the public uh, is is getting more in tune to this as time goes by, obviously definitely more than, than when you started getting going in the early 2000s, as, as I remember you, um, you know, starting to advocate with other student athletes. Um, you know, the, the red tape here, the regulations that 
that just make the process of monetizing, you know, name, image, and likeness more confusing for their athletes? You know, uh, is it just going to make this more confusing what this statement is? Or do, or do uh, you know, are these recommendations really not, just not going to fly at the end of the day? I don't think they're going to fly, period. I mean, like I said, California's law doesn't allow for the, the restrictions that the NCAA put out in those recommendations. So, I mean, that's – and other states are following suit. So um, even members of Congress – who uh, want to see some resolution, would prefer to see to see something uniform across the nation. Um, they're looking at the NCAA, and the NCAA can't explain uh, why it should be that way, why players would have to be limited, you know, and, and how much they can receive, or why the NCAA should be in charge of limiting that, when really it's illegal. The NCAA has no authority to limit uh, markets. It's illegal. That's why they keep losing in the antitrust lawsuits. Um, so I think at the end of the day, we'll get something more clear. The California bill is pretty clear. Um, although it could be short up a little bit, but I think um, clarity will come. But I do think that's important because we don't want to see a situation where after the dust settles, players are still confused about what they can and can't do. Yeah. You look on, you look on social media and a lot of people, whether it's, uh, you know, fans of schools or, uh, you know, former athletes are kind of taking a victory lap with the NCAA's announcement with their, you know, steps towards name, image, and likeness. But it, we're far from a victory lap. Am I right? Oh, we're definitely far. Um, yeah. You know, well, for one, if the, the NCAA, you know, they're, they're, we have a situation where they've been threatening to sue California, drag this thing on in court. That could potentially happen. Now, uh, the language we've been recommending, we're working with over a dozen states uh, trying to get their language right and support their legislation. And we're recommending not to even mention the NCAA. The state has control over its colleges, period. And if a state sticks to that, the NCAA doesn't really even have, have legal standing to be able to bring up a lawsuit. California's bill does mention the NCAA and what it can and can't do, um, which still the California is in, in good legal standing. However, the NCAA, it does give the NCAA a foothold to try to challenge it legally, which could be drawn out for years and years. So, um, you know, I think this thing is, is far from over. And then the idea that the NCAA should be in charge of this anyway, you know, they've been the very entity exploiting players on these grounds, very hostile towards allowing uh, any stitch of progress in these areas. Um, if the NCAA has it its way, it will be absolutely confusing. It will be very limited. And, uh, you know, example, I think a lot of listeners can can uh, relate to, you know, the video games can't come back. Most people thought that was pretty low-hanging fruit. But for the NCAA to explicitly say, no, we're not going to let that happen, you know, because that requires group licensing and players will get an even amount. It just doesn't make any sense when um, the California bill and other bills will be opening it, opening it back up. Another group licensing issue is the jersey sales. Am I Am I right on that? Yes, yes, jersey sales for players to get a portion of the jersey sales. Um, and even TV money can be on the table. That was one of the things that came out of the O'Bannon case is that in the group licensing market, uh, TV, live TV broadcast money would be a market that players could pursue if not for NCAA rules. And those are money sources that uh, traditionally on the, on the pro sports level are distributed evenly among players in that sport. So um, even the average player who's a third string, you know, uh, position player would get, you know, if that were to happen, would get an even share of uh, group licensing revenues. Yeah, that kind of goes back to what Ronnie and I have discussed the last couple of podcasts is like the name, image, and likeness uh, under what the NCAA guidelines or, or guardrails, as they called them now, will benefit the top echelon of the athletes who go to who go to college and choose that route, whether it's the quarterback at Alabama or the quarterback at Clemson or the star power forward at Duke or the star point guard at Kentucky where the 
uh, third string kicker at, I don't know, uh, let's say Stanford will not see similar um, opportunities as the, those other guys I mentioned. Is that kind of what you're seeing and why SB 206 and other state legislation is so important? I think so, because um, the average player, if they can get any kind of amount of any amount of money, even if it's a small amount or a larger amount, whether it be video games or TV or any kind of other uh, stream, they deserve that amount. They deserve the opportunity to pursue that. Um, it shouldn't be artificially uh, uh, prohibited by the NCAA, again, which is illegal. Um, and at, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, freedoms are, do not, economic freedoms do not mean that there are mandates to pay players, you know, any particular amount of money. Um, you know, so that third string kicker, yeah, they're going to have less value in their name, image, and likeness than, uh, say, Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Right. So that's just a fact. And that's America. And even on a campus, that's true. You know, you have some of these um, uh, college students who are social media influencers, not because they're athletes, just because they've been working at it and they have something special that they want to talk about and people follow them. Um, but I think it's important for every player, no matter how large or small anyone believes their name, image, and value are, is to have the freedoms of every other student and every other American. If they want to set up a small business completely unrelated to their sports, but they want to use their name, they should be free to do that. The NCAA should not own them or their name, or, and neither should their school. So I think it's just part of the fabric of what America is, and I think that's why the public supports it so much. Yep. Ramogi, you mentioned earlier the 28 states that have passed some legislation or, or working on it or heading that way. Um, obviously, California is at the forefront. Florida is going to be uh, big as well. Now, um, are you fearful, fearful that lawsuits over, you know, the name image rights and in laws in one state compared to another can can kind of throw this for a loop or hurt students? So basically what I'm saying is if I'm if I'm a Johnny football and I'm think I'm a hotshot recruit, and I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't I go to UCLA or Florida State? I have all these opportunities where the state of, again, I'm not using them because I don't know, Arkansas, the state of Arkansas doesn't. So why would I ever go play for the Razorbacks when I can go play for Florida State and uh, maybe get an endorsement at the local uh, restaurant? You know, are, are you worried about lawsuits slowing this down? Is that going to become a huge mess? Or do you think by that time all 50 states are, are basically going to fall in line? Or, or will the colleges just have to ask we yes because their recruiting advantages will be totally out the door? Well, I think you can see the way that the March Madness was uh, canceled gives us some insight on that. The situation, let's just say California, Florida, Nebraska, Missouri, some of those states pass a bill, and there are no other bills uh, in other states that move anywhere. There is, in my opinion, there's zero chance that Arkansas is going to sit on its hands with or without a law and comply with NCAA rules when other five power, uh, power five conferences are doing their own thing. You know, uh, when the tournament got canceled, it wasn't because it wasn't top down. It wasn't from the NCAA. It was the Ivy League. Then it was Duke. Then it was the ACC. The NCAA found out they had to cancel it after their members acted. So the real, when you talk about Power Five, the Power Five, they have power. <laughs> That's why they call them the Power Five. Uh, they're going to do what they want to do. In fact, they're already in Congress. They have their own lobbyists because at the end of the day, their, their ultimate threat has always been, we'll leave. We'll leave NCAA sports if we have to and do our own thing. The NCAA, what the NCAA wants, um, usually is decided collectively by, um, you know, 351 members in Division One. That means the Power Five conferences are out, are outvoted. So they may not want to, they, they may be stuck doing what some of the other colleges want. So they've always said, hey, we bring in the most, most of this money. We're going to do what we want. You're going you're gonna to have to let us do it. 
So um, I think that if and when uh, some of these states' effective dates hit, I do believe the Power 5 conferences will jump in voluntarily and then say we'll have no choice but to follow. And if they don't follow, you'll see the Power 5 just break off and do their own thing. They're not going to allow um, other states to get the top recruits without them being able to compete in similar ways. Understood. Yeah, because that will affect their bottom line. Uh, obviously, we're in COVID-19, but they won't have the fan support. They won't have the revenue. So that that makes sense. Now, when we see on social media, obviously, we deal with the, a lot of social media because of the players we follow, Ramogi, and things like that. Uh, like you said, they you, people were doing victory laps, which was kind of premature. But, um, you know, people are like, oh, the players should get paid. That You know, we hear that. And are you a little fearful that uh, some student-athletes are going to be disappointed? Because as we mentioned, not everybody is Deion Sanders at Florida State. Not everybody is Zion Williamson. Do, do players kind of understand, like, you're going to have these opportunities, but you're going to have to go find them. You know, some students, many student athletes, and this is our opinion, that they're, the average student athlete is, their, their name image is like, is not worth as much as people may think in the public sphere. Um, you know, are people going to just have to educate themselves on the free market, or do you think this sets up, some, you know, student athletes for unrealistic expectations. I don't think many of the um, players have a preconceived notion as to what they may command personally, but I do think they have a realization of where they are in the pecking order, period. Um, they're, they're also, you know, in, in America, we got disappointments. In any country, in life, there's disappointments. So if you're not the starting quarterback and you're third string, you're already disappointed. You're already realizing you're not the one being interviewed. You're not the one throwing the touchdown passes. Um, and I don't see that that's going to be much different uh, when it comes to name, image, and likeness value. Certain people have certain skills. I've seen a, a walk-on um, in the Big 12 develop a software company, very successful. Now, he had to quit football because it, they, the NCAA rules wouldn't allow him to put his name on it and be able to market it properly. So he had to choose. But it turns out his name, image, and likeness at the end of the day was likely more valuable than most of the starters on the football team who never went anywhere. You know, they didn't go to the NFL. They're, they're, they're eligibly expired, and that was it. And even if they could have done uh, endorsements during the time, that walk-on might have made more money over time than any of those starters. So um, I think that's the beauty of this, is that you get equal opportunity to go out and, and do what you can. Um, and I think that's what we're fighting for. We're fight, fighting for equal rights uh, economically. And for some, it's going to work out to be more lucrative than others. But I don't think that's something that um, you know players really – are going to be devastated about. I think they're going to, they deal with that already. And even in the locker room, they deal with that already. Yeah. This, all this, you know, discussion about, you know, uh, endorsement opportunities or financial opportunities that are, that will potentially arise from this makes me think about the side of who's going to represent these kids. Who's going to teach them how to go about acquiring these things. Uh, you know, not the Trevor Lawrence's or the, uh, Tua Tagovailoa's, but the you know third string kicker who has a software company, how, who's going to be there to help this uh, these, these kids pursue those opportunities properly? Um, is it going to be university hiring somebody, or are they going to have to go seek out third party representation on their own? I'm just curious on how that's going to work. Well, for one, we don't believe that universities should be representing players because okay. they have a conflict of interest. Yep. Um, the universities are the ones that collectively are restricting players in the first place. Um, some of the universities, if they had it their way, they would keep the status quo. They don't yep. want players being able to do a Nike deal when they get all the money from Nike. You know, when Nike start to pay, pay players a little bit 
and start to take away from some of the school's bottom line, which in turn go to their own salaries, the AD salaries, the coaches' salaries. So um, that's just one reason they're, you know, um, they, they should not be representing players. And I think in some situations, we kind of fall into the paternalistic instinct um, that the NCAA has set up for us. You know, the NCAA, they say, well, players need to be watched over. Players need to have um, all these things controlled because we can't trust in themselves. They, you know, there's too many dangers out there. The NCAA does that for very self-serving reasons. They, they happen to monopolize every commercial dollar in, in the meantime. Uh, but I think that it has instilled some of these questions. Well, I think that a question, you can kind of answer a question with the question in that situation, because um, who's looking out for the regular student that starts a software company? Mm-hmm. That student just has to figure it out, right? And maybe yeah. they maybe they pay a few bucks on LegalZoom and they get a contract. Maybe they you know, pay a $100 consultation fee for a lawyer who is knowledgeable in, in that industry, or maybe they just go it alone and they find out along, way, along the way. But the idea that every step a player takes must be scripted and controlled or restricted, um, much less by the NCAA, I think um, that's something we need to get away from and realize regular Americans do this all the time. Got you. Makes sense. You know, yeah, they get treated, uh, like you mentioned, everybody is equal opportunity and equal, uh, you know, equal footing to, to pursue something, whether they want to or not. You know, Romogi, you've been working on this for many years and now going into the, your third decade. Um, when does the fundamental goal of your organization shift from advocating for the student athletes' rights to educating them on the rights they have and name and image and like this? Is it anywhere near that or is there still work to be done in terms of policy and, and attaining those rights? There's always going to be work to be done. I mean, even if we got everything we wanted today for the players, we'd have to we'd have to defend them from attack tomorrow because this is not going to go away. The NCAA is going to constantly in the schools. We're constantly looking for ways to chip away, cut corners on whether it be economics or health and safety or academic, you know, issues. Um, so we're always going to have to advocate. And part of our advocacy has always been informing players best we can. Um, I think we've talked before about our cap guarantee as well for recruits. That's a that's a way we inform players and educate them, empower them on um, what they can ask for during the recruiting process and to get written guarantees rather than verbal promises. But when it comes to name, image, and likeness, um, I think some of it will depend on what the details are. Um, the last thing we want to do is set players up um, and educate them on something that we don't know the details on. Um, you know, because right now, if we say, yeah, you'll be able to do X, Y, and Z, um, it's hard to take that back when at the end of the day, what if California's law gets overturned somehow? Or -hmm. what if they pass a new law and just mimic the NCAA because eventually they, you know, they found favor in whatever the NCAA did. So, um, we definitely don't want to be a part of creating, uh, misinformation. So part of it will be a little bit of a wait and see, but in the meantime, um, in terms of educating with details, but in the meantime, we're fighting we're fighting day in and day out to make sure that players have a fair structure that they have all the freedoms that they deserve so we're focused on that now um we have uh cl- we're, do- we're in collaborations also with one team which is a group licensing uh collaboration between the nfl players association major league baseball players association because um, we do want to make sure players have access to quality representation and that or- those organizations do that for their respective pro athletes of course they have tons of expertise in infrastructure. So um, that's one step we did make to make sure that college athletes, there is something viable because nothing like that exists for college athletes right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we basically put together um, kind of uh, uh, probably the best, most robust group licensing 
possibility for the player. So that just to make sure that exists. And, and once the rules come in, the new rules come into effect, if and when group licensing is on the table, which we believe it will be, then um, it'll be kind of plug and play, I think, for a lot of these players. Um, Ramogi, take us back. Um, you're 18 years old going into UCLA, coming out of Bishop of Mott, and, and just try to picture yourself there for a minute. Um, and now you have an adult kind of giving you some of the information you give to other people now. Um, what is the first thing a potential college student athlete like like yourself should be should do to be informed on name, image, and likeness, its use, its limits, and, and the things that would benefit that student athlete going into college? You know, so if you can give a high line of what, uh, you know, what's the first steps an athlete such as yourself or other athletes today, what, what should they do? Well, as it, as it stands now, I think it's important for them to look at which states are moving. You know, I do think that eventually the Power Five conferences, at, at the end of the day, will likely opt in. But um, it is important to know where is it going to be legally guaranteed where they can't play any games. I think that's important if players have options. And if some of the states are have uh, colleges that are recruiting those players, um, they should take note. And, if, and whoever else they're getting recruited by, they should take note that if their state is not acting, what that could potentially mean. Um, but I, I really think, and I had a conversation with one of my, my friends um, whose, whose son is being recruited. I said, hey, get ready, even, even by the NCAA's deadline or timeline. You know, we're talking about the NCAA's effective date of um, next academic school year. So there's about 15 months or so. I would say, you know, develop a mind frame of um, something that n none of us ever, ever had the opportunity to develop. What can you do? What, where are your talents? Even if they're outside of sports, where are your talents? What are your interests? Um, are you on social media? You know, they should already be thinking about um, ways they can brand themselves, position themselves, um, that if and when these rules uh, are effective, that they can hit the ground running. No other players in the history of college sports have really had that opportunity. And it'll be a great day that um, to see players who are great in video, journalism, you know, computer, software engineering program, anything that they have going for them, social media, influencing, clothing, apparel, anything that they have going for them that they can hopefully leverage their own name, image, and likeness and amplify and make those short, very short four to five years in college count um, for the first time ever. Ramogan, we appreciate uh, that information. We appreciate everything uh, you said in this conversation. Thanks again for joining us on, on short notice. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ramogan. All right. As always, Ronnie, Ramogi, just kind of setting everything straight, making sure that uh, the student athletes' you know best interests are at the forefront of this conversation. Yeah. Um, I, I think the the most key point of that conversation was they we're far from a victory lap. Yeah. There's lots of work that still needs to be done, uh, both at a state legislative level and and i guess based on what Romogi said like at some point the ncaa might not even matter yeah i mean i think that point is true and social media we can't run with any thing that somebody says just because they have a blue check mark or something like you have to get educated right because he mentioned it as you said it they're still far away 28 states so the main question i had to him and he mentioned it was you know, the other states are probably most likely going to fall in line because they don't want to lose the bottom dollar, Devin, which is their money. 
they don't want they want yeah they want successful athletic programs they want football to be a, a successful basketball so florida and california are, are ahead of the ball game devin if you're a hot shot coming out of 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 Huntington Beach. I don't live there anymore. If you're coming out of Fountain Valley High School or whatever, you're going to look at those states first. Oh, yeah. You know no, what no. I mean? Even if you're semi-educated semi on the thing, you're saying, wait a minute, I'm, I'm a kick-ass, you know, uh, guitar hero and, and, and uh, Game of Thrones player. You're, and I, I, you, you're, you have a gaming. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the best thing. You've yeah. never seen an episode of Game of Thrones in your life because you think yeah. it's a video game. That's great. That's, yeah. that's typical Ronnie for you. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm just throwing examples out there. Some of them might make sense or they might not. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm this kick-ass guy. I'm gonna go to the state where I have the most opportunity and most legal rights. So I, like he said, I don't think the other states are gonna have to fall in line. I mean, how wouldn't they? It's just right. Here's the thing: falling in line after SB 206. If I threw a football like Trevor Lawrence and looked like Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I and and I was considering Clemson, Florida, or USC. And the state of South Carolina hadn't yet, you know, made strides or made uh, yeah. legislation or even like looked at it yeah. to compensate players' name, image, and likeness. Am I considering? <laughs> am, I, am I considering Clemson yeah. over those yeah. two? programs in the states yeah. that are ahead of the yeah. the the game on this i mean probably probably not no if if i'm going to be able to make some money off my name image and likeness in one state compared to another so that's yeah that's why you know duke's not going to let his basketball program not succeed north carolina is not going to let his basketball program not succeed kentucky is not going to let it's basketball program not succeed. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, they're gonna have those, some revenues those revenues are too important. Yeah, they're going to have some weight there. They're going to have the ears of Congress people or other people in 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 um, you know in law lawmaking uh, positions. Uh, another thing he mentioned that you were interested in and it makes sense is their group, his advocacy group, is going to recommend or have strong opinions of not allowing the colleges to try to represent or have, you know, like you mentioned it, Devin, it's kind of like almost an academic advisor. So are they going to have a, a advisor? Yeah. Like a name mm -hmm. engine likeness advisor. And Ramogi ripped that. They're going to try to put that in. I'm with they're you. Try. They're, but Ramogi's like, no, we don't, yeah. they shouldn't be involved in it at all. So right. come back to the question you mentioned, Devin, and we talked about the top of the show. How much time do you spend on this when you got homework, when you got practice, which is a full-time job, especially if you're, like Ramogi, you played linebacker, UCLA. Playing UCLA football, Notre Dame football, you know, Duke basketball, that's a lot of time. Right. So that becomes an issue. But like he mentioned, you know, this is a free market. We're supposed to, you're supposed to figure that out. I think uh, whether it's parents, whether it's maybe even grassroots and travel ball coaches come into effect in basketball or seven-on-seven -seven coaches, they're going to need some guidance. Where do you, What's your take on that? Yeah, my take, I, I agree with Ramogi. You can't probably can't allow the university to yeah. represent players because maybe they won't operate with their best interests in mind. Like Ramogi said, yeah. say Nike is gonna, is gonna, um, cut out the coaches and go straight to the players. Yeah. Right. Or limit, limit the money they're providing to the, to the school. 
and the yep. football program, which impacts the coaches, which impacts yeah. uh, potentially athletic directors and uh, admin positions and coaching positions. And just like you said, just go straight for the players, go to uh, Keaton Slovis at USC or uh, Trevor Lawrence or uh, any of these top level Najee Harris, the running back at Alabama, like yeah. go directly to them and pay them and take a cut away from coaches. That's not going to happen. So at the university level, it can't be like that. But like you said, it, it's going to be trial and error. It's yeah. going to be trial and error at some point where, you know, if, if a kid wants to pursue it and do it himself, like more power to him. That's kind of what, like Herman Wiggy said, that's what America's all about. You you kind of take it, take um, uh, ownership over your own representation and yeah. figure it out yourself. And but, you know, ownership over your where your life is going, basically. How much time can Najee Harris or Trevor Lawrence or spend on oh, the spend on it's it's just it's a, a big issue. It's a big it's not an issue because it's that makes it a negative connotation. It's a big uh initiative. Undertaking, undertaking initiative, yeah. Yeah, it's a big it's a big undertaking. It'd be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm glad Ramogi was able to come on and talk about it, give people some more insight. Uh Devin uh mentioned his uh website so people can get even more information if they need yeah, like, uh, ncpanow.org uh, they're on twitter also at ncpa now but there's a lot of good information uh, um, on not only name image and likeness uh, within the ncaa and the push that uh, all the sides are making but also with uh, state legislation in which states have been on board um, in following California's SB 206 law and make sure that you guys go, use, all you do is Google SB 206 and you can find countless articles, uh, stories, uh, information that you can read up on and educate yourself on yeah. uh, what that means and how it may impact you. If you're a, a student athlete in the future, or if you're a parent, how it impacts your son or daughter in the future. Yeah. I mean, that's a uh, great information. He gave us great insight. I mean, I think there's still more things to talk about with that. You know, again, do you come up with this again? Me, you're ahead of it because we're thinking about it. Like, how much time do you spend on this if you're a student athlete? Like, you know, that has to be drawn by how by parents, by coaches. Like, again, if you're Trevor Lawrence, as you mentioned, yeah, that's going to come easy. But if you're not, but you still have some, yeah, some skill, you're going to have to spend some time on it. Marketing, yeah. man, that's that's. <laughs> It's interesting. It's exciting, but that's also a big undertaking. And some kids, some kids have the family backing or family makeup to be able to handle those things, and some kids do Don't. not. Have that yeah. so there is another kind of um, separation of opportunity there. As we know, Kevin, some kids don't even use email and don't even right. jump on computers. I mean, right. desktop computers a right. lot. They're on their phone, everyone's, but everyone's on the phone. Yeah, everybody's on their phone. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, there's still going to be a lot of take and talk about it. It's very interesting that you mentioned that the Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd um, initiative with the G League and Dacian Knicks really had nothing to do with this uh, statement, by 31-page statement by the NCAA. Yeah, just a little bit, a little bit of coincidence yeah. slash bad timing on that. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, interesting to see how that's going to play out. Obviously, we're not there yet. We're not. We don't know when the G League's going to play. <laughs> we don't know what high school and college football is going to look like in the fall. We don't know anything yet. That's why we're filming remotely. 
Um, you know, the biggest take in sports right now is really Michael Jordan's documentary. Yeah. <laughs> it's the biggest thing in, in sports for now. Uh, we mentioned the guys who were kind of didn't get a lot of uh, mention or take in the last couple documentaries um, in the 10-part series. Uh, Richard Dumas, who I brought up, uh, Kobe Bryant briefly. Very interesting to see how much Kobe is going to appear on these type of things in the future. Let's jump to the two people, Devin, that are mentioned a lot and that like are really lightning rods here. Jerry Krause, the general manager at the time of the Bulls. He was the general manager before and still the general manager after the dynasty. And keeps going back to this Isaiah Thomas. Um, again, the funny guy, the scribbly guy, Jordan's bagging on him, ragging on him, talking crap about him. Uh, you know, the dream team goes to play uh, Croatia, which I think they should have also mentioned a little bit more that Croatia was a good team, but also broken up because of the breakup of Yugoslavia. Because yeah. they didn't have Lade Divac, Divac, and a couple other guys. That would have made that team even a little bit better. They were already yeah. silver, med silver medalists. Yeah. And they were favored to take the silver medal. Vlade so, Divac was good. He was a starting center on a you know, team that went to the NBA title in 91. Yeah, he would have helped them again. Yeah. So that game, Devin, uh, I do remember it, watching it that summer. It was a big game. It's like, oh, this is the only game that maybe be close. And Jordan and Pippen just, you know, took Kukoc out of his game a bit. I just think Croatia was out of their game, period. I don't think it was, oh, Kukoc's fault. You know, like, it didn't come off as that. They just were overwhelmed. Yeah. The better team won kind of easily. You know, obviously Jordan and, and, and Pippen had so, something today. But, again, so they're trying to prove that Jerry Krause can't scout and all they did was prove that he can scout more where was yeah. your take on that so yeah. not only was ku coach already discovered prior to that those those olympics yeah. by the bulls and drafted yeah. by the bulls drafted by the bulls uh then he comes you know they, he gets crushed in that first game and it makes sense here's here's the thing you're it's croatia against yeah. dream team like the real so, dream team real one so think yeah. about that yeah, just the holy shit. Yeah. All of the best players ever to live yeah. against Croatia. And they're yeah. all focused on stopping this one dude just to prove a point. Yeah. But then this dude recovers and has a really good game in the final, in the gold yeah. medal. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, damn. It's Pippen and Jordan are like, okay, we have some respect for this guy. He's he's good. The rest of the dream team is like, damn, this guy's good. And then all of a sudden <laughs> you get to think like, wait. He's good, but Krause did this. Discovered this guy. So uh, here's the thing. I understand that, the, you know, he's an easy target just yeah. because of maybe the way he looks and kind of yeah. the way he acts and the way he walks. He just, he's just not a likable figure, but yeah. you have to give this dude credit for what he did. He yeah. put together and made a, put together a really good team and made a lot of really good moves yeah. as the general manager. Yeah. It's not like Kukok got picked seventh or eighth or fourth in the pit no. draft. They picked him on a flyer in the second round. Right. And honestly, you know, when you look at Lamar Odom as a as a more current player that people can relate yeah. to, he played a lot like Lamar Odom. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, you know that size, left-handed. I mean, he was really good. So, yeah. Uh, kudos to Jerry Krause. I know he's a goofy guy. <laughs> kudos to him. He did another good. 
He's getting, those guys are trying to make him look silly, and he just looks good to me. So me too, me too. He's getting ripped in on social yeah. media, and I think Ronnie has a lot to do just kind of with the way he looked, he carries himself, yeah. unfortunately, in the way he carried himself, and yeah. kind of just how brash he was. Yeah. And like, I'm gonna do it my way, and like, I don't care if 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 Michael Jordan, you know, wants to leave because he doesn't want to be play under any other coach than Phil Jackson, then so be it. I mean, I, I get that part of it, but again, you got to give the guy credit for putting together a bunch of really good teams, and also for give him some credit for kind of well, he kind of got knocked, but he kind of could hold his own with Michael Jordan because the one of the poignant moments of the episode, the latest two episodes, was somebody kind of mentioned and just that Jordan was like, "I'm gonna get this dude fired." Well, guess what? You didn't get him fired. Yeah, <laughs> like so. He, 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 you know, did his job, basically, is what it boils down to. Dennis Rodman, like anybody else on the team, did their job. Mm-hmm. So then the second uh, lightning rod figure in all this, it kept. It, he was mentioned in the earlier episodes, and this one is the dream team itself, the formation of it. It goes back to Isaiah Thomas. Um, Isaiah Thomas mentioned that he paid a steep price for the walkout that we've talked about before in the 91 Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, they called Jordan up. Hey, we want you to be part of this dream team. Rod Thorne kind of got played along was who's playing, who's playing. And it was like, well, the guy that you're suspecting is not playing, is not playing, you know, yeah. it kind of brought that up. Then there was some mention that a lot of people had an issue with Isaiah Thomas being on that team. But then Michael Wilbon came out with the tweet. Uh, the Washington Post, longtime Washington Post reporter, and he comes out on 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 talk and also on uh, TV shows that saying, "Hey, I got I my sources said I I was misquoted that there isn't eight or nine guys that on the team that were against him." Did you see that, Devin? And did you know what's yeah. your there on Isaiah Isaiah Thomas? And he he's been a lightning rod in this whole thing from you know whether he made Jordan a better player, whether. You know, he took a lot of flack for the way the NBA, you know, uh, the game, the way it was played. What's your take on Isaiah Thomas in this? Uh, it's a bigger role than I expected Isaiah yeah. Thomas to carve out in a documentary that wasn't about him. <laughs> I think it just kind of shows that how good and tough and hard-headed of a figure Isaiah Thomas is and how smart he is. I mean, he's really turned this into some personal uh, – marketing uh long after his basketball career has been over and long after did he he coached ronnie right he he coached the NBA. he might have and he must have been he might have been a general manager as well he had yeah, some, yeah. yeah. I think kind of shining a light on his career long after his career is over and that's for him i mean sure you're taking some negative things but there's a lot of positive things come out of it as well so um i think it's a win for isaiah thomas uh from that standpoint even though, you know, on that he regrets the walkout and regrets not being on the dream team, and that was a negative. That was a big hit for him. But yeah, I'm just surprised at how uh, how much time they're spending on it. How much? How, how we've taken such a uh, uh, center role in all this. Um, yeah, um, I see what you're saying there. Uh, yeah, he obviously, like you said, paid the price for that. But. Uh, Let's let's also break it down what they're which they're not talking about. At some point in time, a guy six foot one has a got drafted number two 
in the draft by the Pistons, who they wouldn't have taken him if Ralph Sampson would have came out as a sophomore. He would have gone to another team because Ralph would have been the number one pick. I, McGuire would they would have probably took McGuire and then so on and so forth. But um, you know, they built a team around Isaiah. A team is not really built around a six-one guy. And what I'm taking out of this is there's some bitterness there. There's some, you know, some not guys that don't like him. Why? Because a six-one guy beat Magic Johnson, beat Larry Bird, beat Jordan at basically their height of their game. And yeah. I think he needs to get some credit, like you said, for that. Because that's what it comes down to, what it sounds like, that they don't like this guy because he won and because he did yeah. his way. And beat them. Yeah, he beat them at some point in time when it yeah. really mattered. Yeah. And, and not at the end of their career, not, at, you know, when they were rookies, when it mattered. Yeah. And he's looking like a hell of a competitor and a hell of a player. I agree. I agree. I think I think um, for people who like like you and me who really follow the game uh, in depth and you know kind of watch these things with not just obsessing over oh how cool Jordan was or oh how cool yeah. uh, Bulls were and yeah. kind of watch the periphery and look at everything. Uh, Isaiah Thomas for me is gaining more respect as a basketball player and competitor uh, each episode that he's brought up. He's <laughs> probably going to be in the next couple again somehow you know but very interesting there um another point i wanted to bring up and they didn't touch on it and i want to get your take the nba and i guess usa basketball and fiba and whoever else made the decisions to allow the pros they knew uh this was going to happen it was talked about Devin in 1991 it was talked about at least for a year maybe a year and a half before because mm -hmm. USA had lost the gold medal in 88. They had a pretty good team. They didn't have the greatest team. They had Stacey Ogman, J.R. Reed, Dan Marley, Hersey Hawkins. It was just a, a pretty good costume, not nearly as good as 84. And they didn't win gold. And uh, it was starting to get talked about in about early 91 that USA was going to have pros. I remember I was talking to my friends and my cousin. I said, pro? Ewing? I'm like, Ewing and Barkley and Jordan? I'm like, what are they? What? It just didn't catch on right away. Then it was like, oh, shit, this is going to be pretty cool. So in your opinion, Devin, did they invite one college player? Because they made that announcement early that they were going to have one college player because they already knew they were going to screw Isaiah over, and that was their way to make – because if there was 12 pros, how do you keep them off that team, Devin? Right. Even though that wasn't – it hasn't really been hashed out or, like, really been – you know, a concrete conclusion, how they came to this. Why did they carry Christian Leitner? Why did they have the one college player before? So I think yeah, you're right about um, them using that little yeah. layer as an excuse to leave off Isaiah Thomas. That or was the they wanted to leave off. Yeah, or whoever it was that they wanted to leave off. Yeah. And I think Christian Leitner was the perfect guy to be that, that place card because uh, he was a – the most decorated college player ever yeah. at the time. Yeah. Uh, he was very recognizable. People liked him. I mean, or hated him. Yeah. Yeah. Or hated him. So he was kind of that polarizing figure that, like, oh, Christian Leitner's on the team. That makes sense. Wasn't Mike Krzyzewski an assistant on that team as well? Yes. And, and he, had a, yeah, you know, it made sense. The new connection. 
He outplayed Alonzo Mourning in head-to-head matchups. He outplayed Shaq in head-to-head matchups. Yeah. Did as good as he could. I mean, fuck, Christian was really good. He was good. At that, time, at that level. And like you said, he was kind of had the great in, the good-looking image. Right. He was going to, you know, if the guy. He's an all-American boy. You need the all-American boy on the all-American team, right? Yeah. And if the guys were going to give him shit, he was going to take it. Because right. he was with Mike Krzyzewski. You know, he was hanging out with his. You know, it was a great learning experience for him. I'm sure he – if anybody got a great experience out of this, I think it's Christian Lader. Yeah, for sure. Because he's the young guy, and he's like, holy, this is awesome. Even if he didn't have to check into practices, what does he care? He's like, yeah. I'm checking out these practices. This is awesome, you know. So, yeah, I think they use that as their little shield, whether it's said or not. Because, again, I don't know if you knew this, Devin. They, they announced 10 guys. Then they announced Drexler as the 11th guy Okay. later. They wasn't all 12 guys announced like at once. You know, it became public that – Did they have a tryout and Clyde beat no. somebody one-on-one? No. No. It's funny because Bill Lambeer and a few other players had mentioned that. They're like, how come there isn't a tryout for this? Again, it's Bill Lambeer kind of sticking it to Jordan and Magic. Yeah. <laughs> like, how come those guys are getting picked? Like, everybody knew Magic and Jordan was going to be on the team. Yeah. Because – it was built around them, kind of. I don't know if people thought Larry was going to go. Maybe it was like he's too injured. He doesn't. He, he wanted. He was at the end of his. He was at the end of his road there. He was getting. Yeah, he, was getting he retired in the '92 season, and he uh, really enjoyed it. You know, so they picked him. He was marketed as one of the players. So, um, yeah, I think I'm with you there. That was their little caveat that people are still not mentioning. Let's save one spot in case. We, you know, a Drexler or a Mitch Richmond, or again, I'm just throwing names. They yeah. don't get picked. We could say, oh, we we had to take a college player. Right. You that know? was a, that was that was that was a stipulation we had to follow. Some yeah. stupid. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, because it was very interesting. It's very interesting how that played out. One last point I we'll make out of it as we wrap up is um, in the '94 World Championships, there was pros, and it was like Derek Coleman, Sean Kemp. Uh, some of the guys from the 92 team and then in the 96 team had no buzz, Devin. I mean, it was like Shaq. I think Stockton Malone were on it again. The 96 team had Scottie Pippen, but it had, I mean, the buzz was like night and day. Maybe because the Olympics were in Atlanta and in in the States, but yeah, yeah, it didn't have no buzz. It just really didn't. The 94 team was just like a bunch of guys dunking and acting like clowns basically enjoying themselves um what is your take i know the dream team was a great thing i think especially as time goes on and how basketball grow globally yeah but what's your take on the subsequent dream teams do you like it do you think it's just overkill does it matter that usa has to win like would you like more developmental players trying to you know try out like you said they should have a big time trial and it's a, a great evaluative tool for College players, young players, what's your take there? I mean, there's two different standpoints you take. It's a patriotic standpoint where you want the USA to yeah. exert its dominance on the global stage. And they do that, you know, four years in and four years out, right? Um, but yeah, like the there's only one dream team in my opinion. Yeah. It was the first one. Yeah. And every other team has been like dream team, you yeah. know, B, dream team C. Dream, yeah. yeah. I mean, just different just different variations. Um, I think, I think in now the way I look at it, I, th- I think it would be nice to have a mix of 
pros and the best college players yeah. on those teams, just so those guys can compete against the competition at that level and see what it looks like, you know, outside of their their region or outside of their school or outside of the USA and see what international basketball looks like and learn yeah. from seasoned veterans, uh, not have a, just a team full of pros, but have six and six, what is something like that, you know, eight and four, just a, a combination of pros and college players to get those guys another layer of experience. Yeah. Cause I think people look at that dream team and I've been mentioning on social media, as long as they had Jordan, I guess magic and a few other pros, they were going to win gold. So yeah. it's like, Harold Miner or Jimmy Jackson was on the team. It wouldn't have. They still would have won gold. And I think right. you're, I I like it. If you even if you ask our guy Frank Brosen, some of the best basketball he ever saw that he enjoyed professionally and personally was the '84 Olympic tryout. Yeah, he and always. Yeah, and I would like to see something like that where you get the Jalen Green, the Evan Mobley's, or the guys who who are the best players on like a 16 and under or eight, 19 and under team. To you know, get invited to the trial, get the best college players in, yeah. invite, and have them go at it. And if Jalen Green and Evan Mobley get their ass kicked, so what? It, it, that's, it, that's good for them. Yeah, it's it's good for them. They get a trial, and maybe you, like you said, you have nine and three, or uh, eight and four, or what? What might? So, I hope they one day can go back to that. It wouldn't matter if USA. They've proven the point, especially yeah. after the first dream team. They've <laughs> proven the point. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, very interesting things there. We'll see what comes up this week. Um, you know, thanks to Ramogi for giving, empowering student athletes more and parents to get more information out there. Devin, is there anything else brewing? It just looks like we're in the middle of COVID. We're kind of maybe reached its peak in terms of, uh, it affecting, you know, uh, people's lives. I, I think some states are slowing down in terms of deaths reported, but I, we're far from over on this. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not a certified uh, yeah. medical doctor like our guy, Dr. Dinos Tregonis, but uh, so I can't make any comments yeah. on what it looks like. I mean, dude, I'm just staying in my house, staying yeah. away from people, uh, not talking to anybody, uh, doing my part to help, you know, what were we talking about? Flatten the curve, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. doing I'm doing, yeah. yeah, I'm doing my part to flatten the curve. And that's that's really all I can do. And what else I can do is promote our podcast and do our podcast every week. Um, so if you guys like what you hear uh, on the In the Paint show, you guys can tune in each and every week on the various streaming platforms, whether it's uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We are everywhere that you can get your podcasts. But uh, until next week, Ronnie, that was a great conversation with, with you uh, about The Last Dance and with Ramogi about uh, name, image, and likeness uh, in college sports. And we will sign off until next week.